0: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jake Watson. I just woke up from a nap that sent me to the spirit world, and the only thing that was able to get me out was effective electric performance. Download the app and follow all their stuff. Uh, Guys, let me tell you something. E-U-G-2. We're going to get into that a little bit today. It was an absolute honor to commentate that show with Eric Astromecki and Hector Vasquez at the helm. Danny O'Donnell and I received love from the jiu-jitsu community for doing a good job. And we have one of the athletes that competed on the show, good friend of ours, Damian Nitkin. We're going to get into all things Damian Nitkin and just really dive into this episode. It's really awesome to be back, full swing, open guard cast. Only place you can get it is everywhere. So, uh, Danny O'Donnell is my esteemed co-host. He is the one and only Danny O'Donnell. If you ever say that he is also an Irish singer, I will kill you. I will track you down. Uh, and we're joined by Damien Nicken. Damien, how are you, man?
1: Doing great, Jake. I'm happy to be
0: here. Yeah, it's a little. It's a, I haven't done the intro in a while, so I just kind of let it all out. Uh, man, it was really good to see you uh, a couple weeks ago. I want to apologize. I want to. I want to start this out by apologizing to you. Uh, I introduced you. As Damien Nitkin and I said, Apex grappling because I just I Danny and I talked about it right before. It's Atlas, and I felt like such a moron because I was like, gosh. And Danny even pointed to it. He like like Danny's really nice. He just kind of made a face and, and pointed his index <laughs> finger on the uh, on the thing. But I felt bad about it. I wanted to let you know that that was my apologies. No,
1: don't no worry. I appreciate you making that correction. I did hear in the playback of it that you did try to correct during the middle of the match and give proper credit. So I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, man, it's just a good, good coaching and a, a good member of the community deserves deserves better. So I, I felt bad, but dude, uh, it was really good to see you.
1: It was awesome to see you, especially not when it's across the mat and having to fight you.
0: <laughs> I know it's always better to like if you have that experience once to like next time you can yeah let's go like root for Damien, you know? So cheer each uh, other on. Yeah, dude, like I don't want to, I don't want to always like every time I see. Let's say, okay, like, like every time I see Dom Bell, I'm going to have to be like, what's up, Dom? Nice to see you, bud. Also, if I'm standing across from you today, I hate you. I don't want to <laughs> see you ever again. <laughs> but if I could just root for somebody every time I see him, like Cole Franson. I can root for Cole Franson every time I see the guy, exactly. right? Because, like, I'm not going to fight you unless you sign up for the Open, in which case, you're dead to me. <laughs> That's funny. So I want to get
2: into, like, a review of EUG as a whole because... Like Jake mentioned, Damian was on the card. Uh, it was a really awesome event. There were some really good matches in the Grand Prix. So first of all, like what was your initial impression when you saw the bracket and you found out that your first opponent was Mika Galvao?
1: So it was kind of interesting because I had in my head where the, the two or three people that I would have wanted to start with, Mika was actually one of them. Uh, I wanted him or I wanted like uh, Rafael Anjos, because – I know personally, I'm a slow starter when it comes to like tournaments, grand prix, brackets, anything where I have to do multiple fights. So, not necessarily saying those guys would have been easy matches by any means. Obviously, Mika beat me, but it was one of those where I, I wanted hopefully somebody that I could get a start with, like get kind of get some momentum started with. Um, just having seen the other side with you know Jonathan Alves and then Tynan being on the other matches, so it kind of was nice when I got Mika because I'm like you know let's see what this uh this upcoming myth is like and see how we get to go
2: yeah he has a ton of hype behind him and like rightfully so he's yeah. faced black belts as a lower belt and beaten all of them and he just won nogi pans at brown belt and had i think all submissions except one but w- did he throw anything at you that you you weren't expecting or did you kind of, have you kind of scouted him did you kind of know what his game was like before the match
1: so as much as i probably should have done that especially when they had changed it and said the they were going to announce the brackets a week ahead of time and I found out that I was going against Mika I probably should have done some research but to quote one of the greats Marcelo Garcia if I'm worrying about somebody else's game I'm not worrying about my game so yeah. I was just kind of focusing on myself but I had had a couple of black belt friends that I was training with that said you know he likes to do this or that but most of the relevant stuff that he had recently been putting out was all no-gi content so mm-hmm. as far as in the gi we weren't 100% set on a game plan for what he was going to do. Uh, I just knew from his no-gi that he liked to wrestle, so I was really, really hoping to get to play the stand-up game with him because I know that's not a very common thing in jiu-jitsu to get to see, and it would have been nice to kind of do some stand-up and sh- show that jiu-jitsu guys can't do takedowns in the gi.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and he has really good takedowns, so I was kind of anticipating that, like I told you before we started recording, but um, he also has a really good close guard, which I feel like – is not something that a lot of high-level Gi competitors really have. Like, I know there are Gi competitors in the past who had really high-level closed guards, but kind of open guard is more of a trend right now. So were you yeah. surprised that he had such a, a good closed guard as well?
1: I was not necessarily surprised. I was more, if anything, like happy because with open guard being the trend, open guard just has such a large amount of techniques available to it. There's so many different variations we can go to and play in leg placement and grip placement that it makes it hard to prepare necessarily as, as a passer, like being a passer, I, I don't get to really pick where we start. I just have to pass whatever you throw at me. So it makes it harder for me when people wanna play open guard. Close guard is very, okay, that's it, okay? Like there's, a, there's kind of a system to slowly opening the guard and getting out and so it makes it a little bit easier as a passer if anything i just wasn't able to execute
2: yeah
0: yeah yeah one of the things about close guard that <clears throat> as a coach i look at as well is like because i love passing the guard and that's something that I have like uh, kind of manifested as at my time at Blackboard is really like, really liking to pass the guard, um, close guard. You have to get out first. Close guard yeah. is the only guard you cannot pass. Close guard. You have to make it an open guard before you can pass it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I don't know why all of a sudden close guard is like this archaic thing nobody wants to go to anymore. Um, uh, and that that's kind of a general statement. Uh, forgive no, that's me, a, but I
2: feel like that's a great point.
0: Okay. Yeah, people. I don't know why don't people want to go there. Like, we see Hudson Mateos, we see Mika Goff. I don't like clothes guard. I do love clothes guard. I felt slighted when you didn't say it earlier. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but I do love clothes guard because they have to get out. Like, if I lock my clothes guard, that's at least a minute I'm going to burn off the match. And it, pff, it, there's like this big thing in Jiu now where it's like, just attack the whole time. It's like, mm, I don't really want to be unintelligent for the sake of people's entertainment like I, I want to have better jujitsu and that will be entertaining like Mikey Musa Messi and other people who are just really good you know I think that to abandon strategy for the sake of other people's opinion of you online not my thing but uh I think close guard is a fantastic guard and I know that you are uh more privy to the passing I was definitely interested to see you know if Mika were to pull first uh where you were gonna go yeah
1: like I agree close guard is one of those guards that you kind of don't get punished for starting in it because they do have to open it, so you kind of get mm. the, you get to play two guards before they ever get to start passing. You get to play yeah. the close yeah. guard, and then you get to pick your open guard because once they open it, you know you've got so many options to go to. But I would have liked to have seen where we went. I would have liked to have kind of seen more of which open guard he would have picked because of him being like of the fight sport background. I think I was anticipating him going to more of like a, a sleeve pant leg grip kind of guard. Like Jonatas
2: Gracie, that yeah, type of style, of like what, yeah
1: yeah that kind of style of it but you know we, we won't know didn't he, he didn't need to use that so uh i think that would have been something that i was a little bit more prepared for uh, especially if i could have forced him to kind of play more of like those closer open guards like i was really looking forward to trying to get him into that like half guard combat stance position kind of mm-hmm. seeing if i could put enough pressure to really crack through and make him make a mistake yeah absolutely
0: uh, I got a question. How strong is that kid? I know it's kind of a primal question, but a lot of people say that the kid is like, I mean, he's 185 pounds, he's 17 years old, and he's not that tall. How strong does he feel like in comparison to your own strength, in comparison to people you fought before? is—is is, Do you think that that's a little bit of a thing that took you off guard, or was it really not that much to do with it?
1: I don't think the strength of that is really like, as much as he definitely looked bigger than I anticipated. Like, you know, I've only ever seen him in video or on pictures, so when I finally get to see him in person, I was like, actually a little bit taller than I thought. <laughs> <But> <laughs> he the uh, strength wasn't as big a difference as I thought like as much as like you know we all weighed in we all kind of got to scope out everybody and see what kind of shape everyone was in and everyone was in good shape and I was like, okay, he looks like you should be very strong and you know he's just starting to hit that man's strength at 17, 18 years old. but mm. I think I've definitely had opponents that have felt stronger. Mm. I just think if anything, his timing was good and his how tight he was like once he got the sweep he was fundamentally on point with like keeping his knees pinched not worrying so much about crossing his feet he was he made sure to take away things from me slowly and patiently which shows a lot of the knowledge that he's acquired for training so long at such a young age like he's not rushing things he wasn't being impulsive he was inching towards victory which was good
2: yep so, uh, I kind of wanted to ask you, too, about the rest of the bracket and go over the rest of the show. So, I think the other, or on the same side of the bracket as you and Mika, you also had Tynan and Cesar Predes, who was a late Rafael dos Anjos. Then, on the other side, you had Liera and Jonatas. And then, yeah. Uh, Jonatas Luna, if I'm not wrong. Yep. So that sound right? No, you're right. Okay. Yep, yep, Were there any right. of those matches that particularly uh, interested you or that you thought? Had a different outcome than you expected.
1: Mm, the Tynan match, I I was fairly confident. Like the betting odds kind of described how I felt about it. Like you know, especially as much as Caesar said he was training to training his teammate to be ready for it, so he felt like he was ready. It it that's hard to come in with two days two days or one day notice. Yeah, you know, to come into that event, especially against someone like Tynan, who up to this point was undefeated, at black belt. So I felt like that match went exactly as I predicted. And then on the other side, the match between Jonatis and Matthias, I didn't have a preference on either side how I thought it was going to go. I kind of favored towards Jonatis only because I competed against him in the past. I know he's a very strong competitor. He was someone who, in the past, I would say was was one of the stronger competitors, at middleweight. And then the the Liera and Alves match, that one, that's happened multiple times, and both guys have won it. So... That was, I think, the truest coin flip of coin flips amongst the four beginning matches. And it was just going to kind of be who could execute first. I think the the first round was, I think, the easier round to predict a little bit. Other than mm. that coin flip match, it was the semifinals that was going to get uh, nitty gritty. Yeah. Semifinals. We were going to go with it.
2: So getting into the semis, you had uh, Mika and Tynan on one side. And then the other side was Jonatas Gracie and Jonata Alves. So, do you want to start with uh, Jonas Gracie and Jonas Alves? How you, th- what you thought about that match?
1: So that match, I didn't really get to see. I've tried to watch the re- okay. replay a couple times. That one eluded me on the on the replays because I spent more time obviously watching like the Mika and Tina match because I really yeah. wanted to make sure. Because I was at the event watching it live, and I was trying to educate some of my teammates who were like, "Why isn't this happening? Or you know, why is everyone yelling?" And because that one got pretty heated, and trying yeah. to explain like. <laughs> If you know the rules, everything that happened right there happened how it should have happened.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Jake, did you have an opinion on Jonatas Gracie, Jonatas Alves?
0: I thought... Um, so Jonatas won against Manchias in what was the longest fight of the event, um, mostly due to like strategy and everything that is usually employed by the Luna brothers. And, um, I mean, Luna fought well. Even in the times where it was a fight, it was... Well fought, um, so Jonathan's is coming into the fight against Jonata. I think that um, you know Jonata's obviously looked very frustrated the whole fight, and that's something about Jonata. He does get frustrated because uh, I think he wants to win. He doesn't want to win in a strategic way. He wants to win in a in a how do I say this? In An, impressive in an aggressive way. way, in an yeah. a, not even necessarily impressive, but definitely aggressive. Like he wants to pass. He wants to mount. Uh, I'm not sure if he really cares about submission all much, but he wants to win by – he doesn't want to get scored on. Whereas Jonathan's okay, like, dude, half an advantage, we're good. I'll, I'll win by half an advantage, right? And uh, and so that kind of – that little difference in the level of what you're okay with giving away and how much you're okay with winning by, I think it just appealed more to Jonathan's maturity as, like, up here. And that's, I'm not trying to say that as a slight towards Jonathan's. I mean, like, if you're willing to win by nothing, then – that's like, dude, you can look somebody in the face and tell them, you know, I'm going to kill you. But uh, with the whole, you know, I, I thought that Jonatas actually was going to make it to the final on that on that side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was I was a little surprised because I I just I remember the Pan Am's match between them ended very similarly, very, you know, close and somewhat controversial where Jonatus thought he should have won and Jonathan ended up winning. Um, but yeah, obviously, Anybody who listened to the broadcast heard Danny and I lose our freaking mind in the in the Tyne and Mika match. That was so fun. That yeah. was that was such a fun match to watch and to see that come to a head at EUG mm-hmm. and like because that was a talk for a while apparently that I wasn't really knowledgeable about. about. Apparently people were talking about Tyne and Mika for like ever and it never yeah. happened and it finally did and we got to commentate it and then we, <laughs> the energy in that room was nuts. You know like. Yeah. First of all, we're at Las Vegas Harley. There's a bunch of motorcycles around us, and there's a stage. Which, Lots of testosterone. Uh, oh, dude, yeah, so much testo, so much <laughs> testosterone, dude! Like a SpongeBob SquarePants episode. It's freaking just <laughs> voided out, dudes everywhere. But um, actually, later, before we're done, before, <clears throat> after we're done talking about just like the event and like the specific fights, I do want to talk about. Like your your review of the event as a whole because yeah for I, lo- sure. I I freaking love a UG like yeah, I I incredible. think UG is so awesome and that that's my that's my unbiased opinion I love working with Hector my my man we Danny and I love Hector like yeah,
2: he's <laughs> um, the greatest dude he is so funny he's all about, um, about the athletes that's the best part he's
0: all about the he, dude pick your poison he's about yeah. the athletes <laughs> um but uh yeah what was your opinion on the Tana Mika match your unfiltered opinion Mr Damien Aiken.
1: so. I really enjoyed watching that. The strategy was kind of involved. I think Tynan did a good job of trying to like use the lapel and and the different De La Riva and Spider variations he was using to try to slow down the much what I felt like was a much faster paced player in Mika. Um, the ex- the key exchange that happened that everybody just about lost their mind. You saw you had Matthias and his teammates yelling at the referee about don't score this points and do this points. You had you know, Mika's corner yelling these for this points and these points, like everybody yelling. But the critical exchange was when Mika passes Tyenton's guard. Passes, but doesn't establish control. Now, and that's very yep. controversial. I think that's the most controversial part is what's the definition of control to each individual mm. person. But he passes and he doesn't establish by a dis- a definitive control. Which then allows Tainan, who's defending and fighting very well, using all the grips at his at his availability. And Tynan turns to his knees, and like any of us who have done an IBJJF tournament, know that's the get out of jail free card. That just gives up an advantage. But in EUG, there's no advantages. So you turn to your knees. You've negated the three points. You've negated the three points. You've made it so now he's not getting an advantage for it. And you've you know you've put yourself in a different scenario. And then on, then Mika, being the aggressor, still trying to ride that momentum and keep him going, ends up rolling himself over. Well, you can't get swept from turtle like, it, it's a reversal, so there's no points there either so the, the our, both teams are arguing like where's the two? where's the three arguing back and forth, and it's like this exchange is legitimately I B G like down to the books of IBGF. like it's just this nice, big, beautiful exchange, but there is no points there, correct. It's- and so then when this all happens now you got Tynan on top and that then turns into the flurry that ends up becoming Mika trying to come up on his sweep jumping into that triangle you know and he had the sweep I really legitimately think if Mika would have slowed down and played for the if he, if he would have played for the technical aspect like what Jake was saying with the guys who are like happier to win by just winning I think he would have easily been able to finish, solidified the control on top, got the two points, and that would have been the definitive, okay, here's the two. But he went for broke. He went for, okay, here's the part where I make this the statement, and he jumps mm. this triangle, puts Tynan in a triangle that I give Tynan all the credit in the world for surviving because it looked pretty painful to watch being in there and uncomfortable, but Tynan survived it, but at the end of the day, then now you've set up a zero-zero 0 score where the most credible thing that happened was you were nearly passed and nearly submitted versus you nearly swept. So it was yeah. very clear, easy decision where I don't even think the, – like, there was no arguing with the refs that it should go to Mika for that, for that decision. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. That was a really in-depth analysis, but I really like that. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was great. I was like, wow, okay. Well, this is exactly this is exactly how it went down. I, I think that that kid is nuts for going for that triangle. Like in that situation, to think – a flag triangle—that's <laughs> yeah. so insane. That's why Day Day lost her mic. I was like, "What is going on? Like, this is yeah. insane." There's the so much improvisational
2: skill involved in getting that triangle. Was pretty crazy.
0: Oh yeah, and like, n- not just that. Like, there's not even just the ability to cognitively think. Okay, triangle. You know, it's like there's more about this match, especially for a 17 year old kid to digest. There is much more about this match than just the semifinals of a ten thousand dollar Grand Prix tournament. There is like. A lot, like a few years of buildup to who's gonna win. You know what I mean? And I'm sure that weighed in Tynan's mind a little bit, that weighed in Mika's mind a little bit. And he was really respectful kid. Like I don't know what he told me. He didn't want to. Um, I don't know if you remember this, Damien, but yeah, he didn't want to. When interview. I interviewed him, he didn't want to. He didn't want to answer the question. And I thought, I thought I did something bad. So when I said, "Hey, Mika, to give me your thoughts on the match, uh, how do you feel about you know Tynan uh, fighting Tynan next match?" And then he was like, uh, "I would rather not answer." so I can be respectful. I'm like, what? Oh, oh, no, you're right. Yeah. And I was like, what did I do? <laughs> I was like, did I, did I say something wrong? And then I went, and I talked to Victor Doria and he was, he was, uh, apparently Mika was just like, Hey, there's a lot of emotions, which is kind of cool. He's yeah. 17 years old.
2: I, I, I respected what he said, like, just because yeah. there, there was a, let's be honest, there was a lot of hype. There's a lot of hype around Mika. Flow grappling really put a lot of attention on him leading up to the event. He was the, he was the star of the event in, in terms of, what the media was covering and what they were saying. And rightfully so. I mean, it's, it's exciting to see a kid with that much talent who's so young, but he like he said, he was so emotional and he didn't want to, I feel like he didn't want to burn out his emotions after the semifinal. He wanted to keep everything in check and be able to go level headed into the final and not feel like he just won a big match. He didn't want to celebrate and feel like it was over. Cause he still had another one to go.
1: And I think, you know, because the interview with Jake, I, I do remember, because it was right after he, he beat me, like I said, I'm watching the film on it, and when he told you uh, he didn't want to interview about it, he just, you know, he wanted to keep it, to talk after the after the next match, after it had happened, I would say, if it wasn't for the fact that I was going through my own mental things, like if I had just been a spectator, not one of the competitors, and having just lost him, that would have been the point in the tournament where I would have been, if I wasn't hyped for that match, I think I would have been, Goosebumped hype for it like just ecstatic Mm -hmm. for it because that was like, okay This 17 year old just showed a lot of maturity and like in the mental fortitude like I'm Still in the zone I'm gonna I know that it's gonna require all of this to beat this opponent that everybody's built up for this battle So I want to keep that to myself right now. and Just keep in my zone
2: Yeah, absolutely so
1: it was it was very Watching the replay on it watching your your very brief interview with them it was awesome. <laughs> it was very awesome to see, and I was it made me more excited to then go in and watch the replay
2: of their match. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's get that review of the final then. I uh, know Jonathan you gave Alves such versus... a great review of the semis. So yeah, I want that review of the final now that <laughs> you just <laughs> uh, now that you just educated us, edge and us a little bit more on so, uh, on that.
1: So then you get into Jonathan Alves, Mika Galval, and the you know you, you're getting into an age old game in there, which I believe Jonathan. Jonathan Alves is Aoj, so I'm looking, yeah. I'm looking for amazing guard play, you know, coming from mm-hmm. the lineage of the Mendez brothers. I'm looking for some amazing guard play. I'm anticipating not seeing a takedown match. So, with that prior knowledge in mind of Mika pulling guard against somebody who wants to stay standing, I'm curious to see if Mika tries like a dash pass, like a okay off your guard pull. I'm going to try to use some agility and my youth I have to try to pass, and it plays out exactly like that, John Talvez guard. Mika tries to go for like kind of like a dash pass, but I think off-centered himself, and Jonathan gets this immediate sweep to two. Like, it just turns into two. And from there, and this is no discredit. This is, again, this is not me trying to say that his strategy wasn't a good one. I mean, it won him the 10 Gs. It won the event. But it then felt like Jonathan Alves did everything he could to slow the pace and just play not to lose. He was up by two. Like, he had in a sense, done the work in that amazing guard t- guard pool timing and being successful at the sweep, to earn him the right to okay, I can, I still need to play not to get penalized because he you know he could get the one penalty for free, but he couldn't as long as he didn't get the second one that would award two points over to Mika, you know, he can basically play pretty passive, pretty defensive and make Mika attack him. Yep. And then Mika's attacking, Mika's attacking, and somehow Jonathan. Alves gets his, gets on top, and when he gets on top, now it's even harder because now you know Mika's throwing submission attempts at him, but there's no advantages for submission attempts, obviously, and he's going and he's going, and I think that's where his trying to go for the aggressive submissions was great. Like, I wish he, I wish he was able to turn one of those submission attempts into the sweep. I think he even had Alves in the triangle oma for a sh- short period of time, so I, but again, it's very hard especially at the high levels to sweep somebody that doesn't want to be swept and they don't have to risk anything. Like if I like and I and I know Jake can attest to this as well. Like if, if, when you're down by 2 points and you're on bottom, it like especially like an IBJJF, if you're within I believe we did the math. If you're within like the minute, if you're within a minute of a match and you're down by 3 points, the other guy can basically do the equivalent to like football taking a knee the whole time. He can sit there and stall, take every penalty call in the world, and he can't get DQ'd. There's not enough time to get DQ'd, and there's, whatever it may be. So when it came down to that final minute, watching how the referee has been kind of been with his stalling calls and whatever it's been, and you know, he doesn't want to be involved as little as possible. You want the refs want to be invisible, basically. He's not yeah. going like, to call Alvis for stalling on top, and... For defending you know like he's stopping Mika from moving so Mika can't progress but he's not necessarily trying to move himself forward so that definition kind of to me fell into stalling but there wasn't enough time when he started stalling to get a call for that to where, to where it would have changed the outcome of the match so hats off to Alves for winning the match for playing it correctly And I think if you run it back and Alves doesn't get that call or doesn't get that immediate sweep off the guard pool, you have a match that, in my opinion, goes the way of Mika in a ref's decision, though. take that, you take that out of the way, if you just would have made it where they started and he didn't get that too, I think it would have gone Mika's way in the ref's decision.
0: Okay. Uh, what would you think about... And this is... The, I really like... I, okay, I half like it, and I half um, don't know how to feel about it, but I really... Um, a post of an interview uh, where he said that it wasn't his belt and his money, but it was Tynan's. You know what I mean? I think maybe he meant like he's sharing it, like he's, he's like, hey, this is ours. But uh, that's like a really, I really like it because like that's that's a cool level of brotherhood, it's a cool yeah. level of camaraderie and respect. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you guys were on opposite sides of the bracket. You know, there and, and you played the game that. Tynan wouldn't that's that's my and this is my unfiltered again like there's no shots here anything like that but like Jonathan was willing to put himself in a position where he's not going to do a whole lot of aggressive jiu-jitsu to beat Mika Galvão because hey there's rule sets you know and anybody who's like oh, grappled with dude it's a rule set every single athlete ever learned the rule set every champion of any sport learned the rule set they needed to know the rule set right even hondra gracie he, like he would sweep get a bunch of points submit the guy like that's just it. That's how it is. Um, so to any, like, you know, keyboard warriors who want to pick apart a rule set and be like, oh, he's good, to according to the rule set. It's like, man, he won. He's an athlete. He won, yeah. you know? Um, and obviously, yeah, I, I'm the kind of guy, as well as you're the kind of guy, who wants to submit people. Like, we don't want to win by half an advantage, but to pick apart an athlete who wins like that and he's got a bunch of medals and money, I'm not going to complain. You know, yeah. he's an amazing athlete at the end of the day. His jiu is incredible. Uh, Tynan is more of a Mika galvao style competitor. Like he wants, he, like every every. Uh, I remember this, the statistic was of of Tynan's 17 victories leading up to that match. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, at the time of the Mika Galvão match. He was effectively 18 and 0 because he, I believe, he submitted Cesar Perez, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, now he's 18 he got wins a choke from the back. F- yeah, yeah, yeah 18 wins, ball. 14 submissions yep. at Black Belt.
1: And one of those wins at eight out of those eighteen, I think he was because he was at the Houston Open the same time I was. I was doing Masters when he did Adult, but I had heard from somebody that he had racked up one win where it was like fifty-two to zero or something. Yeah, like
0: that. Uh, I mean? yeah, seventy-two actually 72, to zero. I'm sorry. Oh, yes, yes. I'll, I'll leave the name. I remember <laughs> yes. the name. I don't remember. the name. I'm gonna name,
1: leave him. I didn't get to hear the name yeah, of the opponent. Not important. It, yeah, seventy-two. Was <laughs> oh,
0: important to, to me. <laughs> uh, just kidding, but uh, no, but um. He uh, he's an incredible competitor, and uh, he, he his game for the match for the match between Mika and Tynan to have been exciting. They both needed to grapple the same way. Um, Mika Gavon is exciting to watch regardless of who he competes against. But the game plan versus a firework of a competitor is to slow him down. That is just how it works. That Marvin Vittori versus Israel Adesanya. Marvin didn't execute a good game plan, but his game plan the model works. Take Israel down, beat him up. Right, didn't work. Israel defended, beat him up on the feet, and you saw that. You see this in all of combat sports. You see this in all of every sport. A football team, they really good passing. Tighten up your defense. Rush the quarterback. Like it's it's a strategy. This is not like a you know. I think a lot of people want Jiu-Jitsu to be this dumb primal fight between two gorillas, but that's not the idea. It's just kind of impossible. Yes, can you give, give me one minute, or I'll call you right back. He's uh getting a quick call from his um. Potentially his wife and/or sponsored athlete manager. Hey, Damien Nidkin. <laughs> no, I, I said, uh, while you were away, I was like, he's getting a call from uh, perhaps his wife or a uh, sponsored <laughs> athlete manager. Wife, exactly. You see oh, that? Yeah, you, you oh, got to take that call no matter what. So. Oh yeah. You're good. Yeah, come on now.
2: I, I did have some some thoughts I wanted to share about the AOJ guys too, and and there were a lot of keyboard warriors, people complaining about tactics and, and strategy and stuff like that. But those guys are incredible. You can put Tynan or Jonathan Alves on YouTube, you'll find them submitting guys left and right. They're unbelievable. Those mm-hmm. we are huge fans of them. Here at the Open Guard Cast, we love Jonathan's style. We love Mika's style. We love yeah. Tynas style. So, just in case anyone thinks we are picking a certain side, I feel like we're oh. very neutral no. and we love all their styles. So, absolutely not. Let that and be known.
0: yeah, don't let don't let my don't let my forwardness and my my heavy mouth uh, speak for. No, like, no, like you. be bad or whatever. No, no I'm no. telling everybody, listeners at home, like, I love jiu-jitsu, and I love all the athletes they're in, and I have absolutely no, I, me, Jake Watson, who gets roasted on the internet, and gets like, like, people make videos about me, and the whole Craig Jones thing, and that whole, for everything like that, right? I don't hate anybody, right? Even the people who are awful to me, I don't hate them. I, w- I want to improve the community. So, People, I think, and this is another thought I had, Danny and Damien, You give me your thoughts on this. I feel like uh, jujitsu is a heavy turnover, like love for athletes. There's a big turnover for it. So let's say we take athletes who are like incredible, submitting athletes every single weekend, and they win one tournament in a quote unquote lame way. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, that athlete's lame according to the public.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like what have they you done? For throw, me
0: throw away all the barrembolo to the back and amazing finish. You know yeah. what I mean? Mika, I, Like. Let's say Mika goes and wins a tournament, every single one by advantage, plays fifty fifty the whole time. Wonder how quickly the the Instagram comments would be like, "This kid sucks." <laughs> like what?
1: And it's hard because you you have the, it's a double edged sword. Like that that's always going to be the hard part with Jiu-Jitsu too, is because we want to see the exciting matches, we want to see the guys who are doing all those kind of crazy moves and winning by submission, but like you have to remember from their standpoint. They, they have to win. At the end mm. of the day, they still have to win. Like you can be the most exciting person, but if you're losing, you know, never podiuming, never making it to the big shows because you're not winning. Like that's one of the few things that people are looking at for these big shows, like EUG, Third Coast. Like we have to win, and sometimes we we have to sacrifice excitement in order to get the win. Like it's like, like I said with John with Alvis it's not necessarily that his, it was still exciting, like, don't, like, and that's why I say there was no, like, no shade thrown any, anywhere towards Alvesport, he did what he needed to, to win, and that's got him 10 grand, that got him a belt, that got him the right to defend that title, that got him a lot of stuff for playing that smart, strategic game, like, how many people have ever found a loophole in the game that they're playing, like, whether it be from jiu-jitsu to some other sport, to a board game like you're gonna find the loopholes you're gonna take advantage of them you're gonna it's gonna happen yeah and as much as we want people to play by the archaic like exciting way strategy is strategy for a reason and it works
2: and I thought it was exciting. And I know I'm a gigantic jiu-jitsu nerd, probably one of the biggest jiu-jitsu nerds on the planet. But at the same time, like watching Mika try to keep his, his knee line free so Jonata couldn't pull him into the 50-50, mm-hmm. watching how he tried to counter all the strategy, that to me is a super interesting battle. So I don't know. That's just that's just my opinion. But to put a bow on EUG, I feel like that was an incredible event. Damian, we, we're super excited to see you on it. We really hope you can get on one of the future events as well. Mm. And, and yeah, we saw some amazing jiu-jitsu. So props to everyone at EUG, to the matchmaker, um, for, for signing all those athletes. That was really awesome.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And you know, uh, actually, before we, we put a bow on it, but then we got to like, you know, the bow's just on top. It's not wrapping the whole box, yet, right, so we right, just right. go open it up. <laughs> I just uh, went for this episode. <laughs> no, for sure, but I want to hear Damien's thoughts about the overall event, uh, such as like the, you know, how, how he was taken care of and how he felt about the production value, about what it was like being in Las Vegas Harley. Like I wanna hear his opinion about the event because you know, we are kind of involved in the event. Uh not from like a production side or anything like that, but we're commentators of the event. We're the we are the official voice of EUG promotions. And uh (laughs) and we have stuff to do with the event. You know what I mean? So I wanna hear how people how people think about it. And Damien, um you're one of the athletes on the on the Grand Prix. So what'd you think about the event, my friend?
1: So, I thought it was really cool um, as far as, like, we got these t-shirts, I think, from a sponsor that was involved with it. Like, it's kind of one of those nice things where the athletes got at least one thing from the sponsors of the event. Mm. Like, it's kind of one of those things where a lot of the times you see all these sponsors, like, on the mat, and it's like, okay, they're sponsoring the event somehow, but it's not necessarily like, us as athletes, like, I know we're there for the event, but it was nice to finally get something from one of those sponsors. Um, As far as from the athlete's point standpoint how we were treated from it we were treated very well like we, we knew roughly when our times were coming up it was you know nice to have them point out okay your fight number x on on this card so we knew exactly when we were going kind of the warm up mat space was a little small but i want to say that was due to venue restrictions and just availability of mats for that i think it was just it was extremely hard to warm up especially like until fights that started happening then people were leaving the mats so that made it a little we're okay now mat space is opening up but you know we had two two squares that were fairly small. That was probably the only nitpick I could possibly have at it was that the warm-up space was small. But as far as the walkouts were great, having you guys to commentate um, they even were kind enough like I really 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 from an athlete standpoint appreciated that they allowed us to weigh in, like they had to show up at five, but they said the weigh in, were at six, they had asked us to show up at five though. And with that being said, it was okay. If we're here, all of us are here at five. Now it's an equal amount of time to recover. Can we weigh in and then just do the broadcast of the weigh ins at six, but like, let's let us drink some water and stuff and start recovering. So that, you know, at the, we're all here. Why? Yeah it's it's fair it's not like oh we we've all already made weight now we just need to wait for you all to suffer for an hour just as you have the will to wait it's like no we're all here at five we've all made the weight if we're all here on time let's can we weigh in now and rehydrate? and at first they were kind of like no the weigh-ins are at six because we're gonna do the live broadcast of it and then they're like no you know what guys weigh in make sure everybody makes weight Everybody made weight. Okay, cool. Go ahead and drink some water, have your snacks, whatever you want. Just know that it's six o'clock. You're going to have to get back on the scale just for the show of it. And it was nice. That was like, okay, awesome. Like that really made weigh ins a little bit more bearable because it was like, okay, you yeah. at least had us in mind, knowing that some of us were doing huge weight cuts. Like myself, I cut 16 pounds in 12 days. So the ability to get that, that water a little faster was nice.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. And
2: what what uh what feedback do you have on the commentary cuz we've been asking everyone that we're trying to get hear the good and the bad or if you just have good or just bad that's fine too. We're, it sucked. We're, we're yeah, we're we have the ability to take criticism but we want to improve and so we're trying to ask as many people as we can for feedback. So of the commentary that you heard what's something that um thing that you think we could improve on?
1: I'm going to blame whoever gave Jake his printout. Uh, that that probably was misspelled on the printout. They were supposed to say Atlas and they probably put Apex.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it was actually completely my fault Uh, when we were taking our notes. I was taking a lot of notes in rapid succession and I read Atlas and I do not, for the life of me, know why, but my pen wrote Apex and I was like, that's pretty cool. I've heard of Apex. I didn't know it was him, right? And it's like, wasn't Jake. Luckily, I wrote
2: Atlas so I was able to point Jake in the right direction but Yeah is
0: yeah. it was, it was my bad. Uh, that was a hundred percent my fault, not Danny O'Donnell's fault at all. <laughs> and it was not the fault of UG promotions. It was a hundred percent my bad. And I made other uh, uh,
2: mistakes, so it's all good.
0: <laughs> yes, but not like, you know, we're not talking to the guy you made a mistake about. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, I definitely I did my best to revert my error.
1: It was nice to have you guys as the commentators too because I know Jake from personal experience having faced him previously in matches and stuff like Jake's well versed on the rules as, as, so we got like you Danny who is the jiu-jitsu fanatic of it and I know you train and uh, I i haven't seen you at competitions but I, I'm sure you've competed before mm-hmm. and so you, like getting but you were more of like that fan feel when I was listening to the commentary while yeah. Jake Jake kind of gave me like the he's still a fan he's still got the hyper energy but he has like the like more in-depth experience at it to where he's able to kind of give me some of that rules thought to it as well and the strategy like I think he did a good job of kind of keeping me in in that as well like as somebody who's I'm a total nerd about the rules and nerd about like the mindset and so I'm always telling my students when we're watching matches they're like well why are they doing this Like, because this is strategy of it so it was nice it was good to get get people involved in there that actually knew what they were talking about rather than like I've had commentators in the past at previous events that they're like, yeah, the voice sounds great. They sound like an announcer, but they don't 100% know the in-depth knowledge of what we what we're trying to do in even those stalemate positions.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So you think I sounded more knowledgeable than Danny O'Donnell? <laughs> <laughs> Fun sound fact in your own way. Fun fact. Danny knows way more about jujitsu. Jitsu. Uh, like I, I feel like uh, yeah, you're right. like I'm the an athlete and like that's what I do. But um, but Danny, Danny is a freaking like an encyclopedia of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu history, and that's why it's kind of cool. What we're gonna work on, and this is something that I want to tell just the people listening, and it's kind of amazing that you you were very transparent with us. We really appreciate that because we we and I say this almost every episode, um, but our community, uh, I sp- I feel like right now is a little divided, which is kind of toxic and weird. But um, mm. the Open Guard cast, and that means me and Danny. Uh, we talk almost every day about the future of the podcast, about what we want to do with the community, uh, how we want to treat our community, and the way that we want to serve our community. So, we absolutely adore commentating. We will commentate every freaking weekend if it was available. Yeah. And at the end of the day, EUG is a is a foot in the door, and Hector is giving us an amazing opportunity. And. That was our first show together. There were times I talked over Danny and it kind of made me cringe. There's times where Danny said, did things that made him cringe. And it's like, okay, it's our first show. We did a good job. But at the end of the day, dude, we're not looking at are we better than jujitsu jitsu commentators. We're looking at are we going to be as good and better than the current ESPN commentators. Uh, my coach Andre said that, uh, and he tells me this all the time. He says, you're only as good as the rivals you choose. And I'm not choosing rivals down here where I'm at. I'm choosing my rivals up there where I want to be. So, with you know everybody listening at home, um, we want to commentate your show. <laughs> we want to yeah. commentate everything we possibly can. And the reason why we want actual feedback on our commentary, like if you are like one of the, if you're listening to this and you hate our show and you're like, ah, I hate these guys, and you're just like, mm, I want to tell them how much they suck at commentary. Please tell us because it helps. Even if your opinion is dog shit it's just <laughs> i don't care you know what i mean pardon my french but even if it's a really bad opinion send it yeah send at least we'll us.
2: know that people are thinking
0: that at exactly least one, at least then, one
2: person <laughs>
0: and then and then i'll argue with you and then we can be friends i'm just joking yeah. But, uh but yeah you get my point like i want to i i care so much about making this community actually professional and we're a media source. Like we want to be making freaking blogs and articles, and you know, eventually, d- uh, dude. I don't want to tell all of my, all of our plans because it's in the future. But dude, we want to be another source of media in this community that is fair to the athletes, and that's what we're about. That's why we want amazing people like Damian Nitkin who have an amazing story to tell and who are uplifting members of the community that never get reported on. Why? There's literally no reason. So that's why we're here. We want to give them a platform. We want to give everybody a freaking platform. You know what I mean? They deserve it. They do jiu-jitsu. They do the single coolest martial arts/sport there is. Why are we not reporting on them? Sorry, I'm on my soapbox right now, but whew, you know what I mean? I'm out. I just I, I just love open guard cast. I haven't done this in like a couple of weeks. I need to get this I need to get all this no. out. Yeah, we got energy. Uh, <laughs> you feel me though, right, Damien?
2: I agree. I
1: I I think jiu-jitsu like you know, you see we've got a couple of documentaries out there here and there, but jiu-jitsu like uh, there hasn't been really a lot of insight into like the mindset of jujitsu and getting people's opinions out there, and a lot of it's a lot of keyboard warriors right now. There's a lot of the Instagram comment commenters and stuff like that that want to like give their opinions, and it's like let's let's get opinions of like the people that actually have understanding. Yeah, and, and yeah. I and I appreciate the fact that you're saying like bringing me in because. You know, like I've only been doing jujitsu for twelve years, and it's, you know I don't feel that I'm the most in-depth knowledge, but I definitely feel like and Danny, I think, can agree to as well. Like I just love the sport. and so I've been obsessed about it as well since I started back in two thousand and nine, and anything I can learn about it, whether it be from res podcast to just info reads to documentaries, like I'm all about it. and I think that would help our sport even become more professional because it would help people understand what we're doing.
0: Well, here, okay, you how you said like, I've only been doing jiu-jitsu 12 years, so I don't feel this way. But then you said, but I love jiu-jitsu. That's what we care about. Like, I care that you love jiu-jitsu. I don't, like your value, like the value of an athlete to me isn't, are they good? The value of an athlete to me is, do they love what they do? Because if you love what you do, you're going to be successful. That's just how it works. If you love what you do, it's going to spur you to movement. It's going to make you successful. And then you have to, obviously, I, might, I know that success isn't just this material gain while you hate your life. Like, are you, you're a father, correct? Yes. Like, dude, you have the bit, like, dude, I would, th- I, the medals that I've won over my life, not as important as being a dad to me. Right, so I can freaking relate to that. And be like, Damien, Nitkin, you're a man. You got a kid. You got a wife. That's <laughs> amazing. I want to talk about it. That's not. I feel like uh, that's been lost, not just in sports, but in humanity a little bit. And now all of a sudden, everything is material. Um, but that's why I care about athletes. You know what I mean? We have we've had athletes on the show. Like we had the pleasure of interviewing Andrew Wiltsey. Like Andrew Wiltsey is not just special because he's an amazing competitor. He's a he's special because the guy eats orange chicken for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Every single day of his life, and that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like that's—I I did not think that was real. But here we are on Open Guardcast talking about it. You know? So, dude, you, you, the value of an, a competitor is in their heart, not in you know what they have, what they won before. You know that, and that's why I was—I was excited to interview like Andre Gaval because, dude, Andre Gaval's a cool—a cool guy. Yeah, he's made like we've all made mistakes, but he's a cool dude. We love him to death. You know what I mean? I can have a conversation with that guy at a tournament for like 30 minutes. And he's a genuine – he genuinely wants to talk to you. You know, I'm on my, I'm on my soapbox. But still. <laughs> no, I've, got, a, I've got a
2: good, good segue into the next Please, topic, so. please, please, please. So please. Jake, Jake mentioned that you're a husband, you're a father. You have a lot going on. You also have an academy. We saw your academy come out to EUG and, like, showed you a ton of support, which was really, really cool. So can you talk a little bit about what it's like to balance your, your family life being an academy owner and an instructor and also being a high-level competitor?
1: So the instructor and the high-level competitor, luckily, they go hand-in-hand in their own way. So we opened up the gym in the end of, or at the beginning of October of 2020. And it's changed in the sense that, like, now I don't have the freedom to necessarily travel during the day to a bunch of different gyms at some of the premium times, especially at night, because I do have my own classes now to teach. So that's been the balance of finding that high level training. So like right now, I'll teach class in the morning and then after my class is over, I've got two or three other friends that own gyms where I'm literally just showing up for the rolling portion of class, but they're okay with that and that's kind of my balance. Like okay, get my work done, get my training in as much as I can in the morning, and then I'm done by about noon and then that gives me time to be dad. So then I get to be dad and husband and balance that out. And okay, wanna be, be dad mode, but still gotta pay attention to the wife. So yeah. find that balance of who gets the attention when. Yeah. And then getting into night classes, then you know you go back to being coach mode. And I say coach mode because it's the kids classes. When it's When it's the kids classes, I gotta be coach. I have to be mentor. But then when it's adult class at the end of the night, then it's kind of like it's not a job to me. Like teaching, teaching jitsu and training it isn't a job. It's just something that I enjoy doing, and the fact that people want to hear my style and learn from me makes it very nice. So I get to almost like hang out. It's like hanging out, and sharing, sharing some information with my friends, and then watching them try what I just told them, and then we train. And you know, I'm picking some of the picking key players that I've helped develop or that have been fortunate enough to come to me from other gyms or whatever it may be and trying to say, like, okay, I know my purple belt over here is really good at guard, so I'm gonna just try to pass their guard, or my blue belt over here is really good at passing, so I'm gonna play guard against them, and I'm gonna tailor the training to where I might not get to play everything, every practice, but I'm trying to make the best of the scenarios possible. And I know a lot of coaches out there can relate to that because we don't always get the guarantee, not every gym can have 10 black belts lined up like some of these big major gyms, you have to figure out that balance and how you can use the tools you have at hand to get there. So I don't think my training has suffered. I think it's just made me have to understand Jiu Jitsu better and be even more disciplined to say like this is what I'm going to work and this is how I'm going to work it. And then it's made me better with my time management having the gym because I still want to be there for my son. I still want to be there for my wife and my friends and find that balance. And so. It's it's definitely been a new adventure, but it's been a fun adventure.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, dude. Do you you feel like your goals have changed since you opened the academy and since you became a father, or is everything still the same and now you just have those other, other obligations that you have to attend to?
1: So like my goals haven't wavered as far as like I still have the goals I want to win one what I what I call the majors you know like I want to win one nationals or I want to win a world a Pan Ams like I still have my athletic goals like those aren't gonna fade it's just not my personality to just give up on them but the additional goals are the goals that are taking I think more of a front seat to the to that one though like it, if it happens they happen I'm not gonna stop training I'm not gonna stop competing but like right now I want to be there for my son he's you know anybody who's ever had a kid knows that they, they change so quickly especially at these Younger ages, like he's two and he's doing toriandos, and I'm probably in- <laughs> not to be two. Um, so it's awesome. just fun to watch. But and I just want to be the best that I can be for him. Uh, and then as a coach, my goals for that is simple. Like I just want to see my students get better. I tell my students every day, like I don't make you a student; you make me a coach. So I'm here yeah. to help them as much as they can. And you know, my personal goal with that is, and I've told some of like the adult. Blue belts that I have, you know, they're like 18, 19 years old, seeing me compete and seeing guys like me could compete. And I'm like, my goal is with you. Is hopefully, one day I get the chance to sit there with that orange coach's vest at the IBJJF World Finals and just get to sit there. And, and I made it. Like, to me, that's making it. Like, you don't have to win or lose that match. But the fact that we got to go there together as, as a coach and a student, or we got to go there as a team. That's a, that would be a dream come true to know that I helped somebody achieve that because I know if we made it to that point, that person's taken care of, like they're going to, they're going to have success, not only in jujitsu, but in life, because you can't be that successful at jujitsu without being successful as a
2: person. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I love how you, you combine your, your athletic goals with your coaching goals and everything. That's really cool. So we, we talked a little bit before we started recording too, about um, some of the EUG qualifier stuff that they just announced. So you mentioned potentially wanting to jump into that. So um, for those who don't know, EUG just announced a qualifier, almost like a tournament where you can sign up and you can, if you win your bracket, you can get onto the big show, EUG3, and, and probably future events as well. So can you talk about uh, your desire to to compete for that as well? So they announced
1: originally. I think they had announced some different weight categories. They, they you know, not the categories that they had already had competitors at. Um, and then I think I recently saw on their Instagram post, they had changed it. So now the weight categories are IBJJF weight categories. So it was like middleweight, yeah. lightweight, feather, uh, for the brown and black belt gi. And I could when I'm being disciplined at middleweight. So it would mean dieting for an extra month to go, but I really want to, I want to live up to the statement that I told Tamika after the, after the show, when he was, you know, s- s- with his team and stuff, I told him like, I want to earn that rematch with you. And if he, you know, seeing that he can make 170, I'm sure he can make 181.5. So I would, I'm definitely interested in doing the qualifier at 181.5 and earning my chance to come back to the show and give a better performance and show some more of that Las Vegas desert jujitsu. And (laughs) I know I have blue belts that are itching to get on the show, especially after watching me. So it's okay. How can I help them be as prepared as possible? And just prepare as a team and so hopefully we can next time not only come out as a team to support and watch one competitor but we can have a whole squad on there
2: yeah for sure jake what do you uh what what do you make of the qualifier series that they just announced
0: you know i saw that but i didn't really get a chance to talk to you about it yet um Mm -hmm. so the winner of those will be fed into the main like a grand prix or will they be yeah so
2: my understanding is that they're gonna have it looks like for some of the divisions, like the juveniles and the blue and purple belts, the winner of those brackets will have the opportunity to fight for a title. Mm. So, yeah. for example, Mario Al- Alvarado, he won a purple belt match at 150 pounds. So, whoever wins the purple belt bracket at 150 in late July, early August, they're going to get a chance to fight Mario Alvarado for the purple belt title.
0: Oh my gosh,
2: that yeah, kid! And then for for the brown and yeah, we'll get to him in a second. Brown, <laughs> brown and black belt uh, divisions. I think the winner of those brackets will get a a, a place in the Grand Prix.
0: Yep. All right, that sounds fun, dude. Yep. is uh, yep. making good moves. Good moves for for a company. I really I really love to see, you know, the consistency, and they want to do an event all the time, and it's like dude, it's just smart, smart stuff.
2: Yep.
1: And it's nice because they because it's a feeder program that allows new talent. Yep. Going back exactly. to we had previously talked in in conversa- in conversation with the whole idea of being tired of seeing the same 10 competitors that are on constant repeat on Flow Grappling. Like, here's here's these 10 guys, they're all doing another Grand Prix against each other, let's just, you can almost like say like, this is kinda of how it's gonna play out based on where they put them in the bracket, but it's like, it's nice that they're allowing regular people to register, compete, and earn their chance to then get into these Grand prix, to where it gives them a chance to get recognized and give opportunity. That's the big thing that I think is under, underappreciated in, in tournaments and these grand and these big grand Prix with a lot of these like bigger shows. Is that they all want the names because they believe the names are going to generate people coming in. But giving new people like, like myself, you, I was given an opportunity, and luckily I had the whole crowd of Las Vegas to come out and promote. And that should be that's good for the show too because now the show has more exposure yeah. because they gave someone like myself a chance. And so I want more shows to do that because I think it's going to give, it's going to get more people to jujitsu.
2: hundred percent. Yeah,
0: I really, I really agree.
2: Awesome. So Damien, do you have any, uh, closing thoughts on either EUG or is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up the interview?
1: I think EUG was a great show and I think that they're doing good moves and I think that they're definitely going to keep doing well as long as they stick to kind of the formula that they, they've been successful with up to this point. Um, I I think that what you guys are doing as a commentators and listening to Jake's goals are definitely exciting. I'm looking forward to listening to future podcasts and seeing you guys commentate on future events and kind of keep you accountable because I'll, I'll remember this interview and be like, hey Jake, you told me you aim if you're aiming for those guys
0: well, I don't <laughs> sell, I don't sell out for anybody, Damien can you can quote <laughs> me on that You right, can you take can this messages. you can take this soundbite and post on your page. I don't sell out for anybody. And you can post that, and you can hold me to it and tag it to me every freaking Monday through Friday. Not Good. the weekends, though. it's the weekends I have off, yeah. but <laughs> tag me in it every single day. I don't sell out, and neither does Danny O'Donnell. We don't sell out for no one. Good. Correct.
1: And the only other thing, I would, just again, a thank you to everybody from Las Vegas that that's truly the people I, I need to thank is, is the people of Las Vegas because when the opportunity came for me to get on the show, they were the ones who spoke up and chose me to be the representative. And while I would have loved to have done better at the event and represented a little bit better, it was because of them that I got this opportunity. And I'm just very grateful to all of them, from my team to I had guys just from Vegas in general that weren't even on my team. that just They supported and they said, hey, please give them the opportunity. So thank you to everybody at Las Vegas. Thank you to all the people I've trained with that spoke up and said, please give them the
2: chance. That's awesome. Jake, do you want to uh, thank some of our <sighs> sponsors or supporters?
0: Or in, both? The, in the same way that Damien Nitkin has received support from Las Vegas, we receive uh, support from thick gains and supplements, pretty women and testosterone, ladies and gentlemen. That is what the Open Guardcast runs on just gas station hot dogs and bang energy. Also, election performance—that's what we do. Um, make sure you guys go support them. Everything I said prior to that, by the way, is a lie. Well, <laughs> we, uh, we do love election He's performance. Not
2: selling out for gas station. Hot dogs. I am
0: not selling out for pretty women, gas station hot dogs, and and Bang Energy. That is a total joke. Um, so uh guys thank you so much uh to the jiu-jitsu community uh we love you we support you um and we are here for you and we uh want to shout out definitely damien nitkin guys follow him uh, where can people follow you on instagram and uh your social media mr nitkin
1: it's uh damien nitkin jj on awesome. Instagram and that's pretty much all i have is Insti- instagram and-, and facebook so whichever one of those
0: two All right. Well, fantastic. And we also want to thank uh, Marcio Andre Academy, Maracaba BJJ. I want to give a quick shout out to my buddy Tim Wong, uh, who got his black belt today. Uh, Super awesome. Only the fourth black belt from Andre Maracaba Jiu Jitsu. Uh, Sweet. Number four. And he got his black belt today. I'm about to, uh, after we're done here with this episode, I'm going to shower. I'm going to go pick up my lady and I'm going to go down and celebrate with him at a potluck. It's going to be awesome. But uh, yeah, uh, Tim Wong, BJJ. And. yeah, we we just love the Jiu-Jitsu community so much. I'm freaking juiced out of my mind for the future of the Open Guard cast. And uh, we want to thank... You e- You know what? We're going to thank UG Promotions, Eric Gastromecki, Hector Vasquez for everything they're doing for the community. We really love being a part of the future. And uh, we love we love some Gi Jiu-Jitsu. I will be honest. We love some Gi Jiu-Jitsu. We do love no Gi Jiu-Jitsu, but man, yeah, we, we love, love some both, Gi Jiu-Jitsu too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, Gi, man. People people be forgetting where, where we started. Come on, man. Either Grace Gracie be rolling in his grave right now. Um <laughs> But, hey, we love you guys. Thank you so much for supporting the Open Guardcast. cast. Follow us at Open Guardcast on Instagram. Follow us on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, iHeartRadio, all the places where you can listen to a podcast. We're probably there. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my closing thoughts. Daniel O'Donnell?
2: That's it. So thanks, everyone, for listening. That was episode 97. Damian Nickin will be back as soon as possible with another episode coming up on 100. And, yeah, we'll ho- oh. hopefully bring you a, a great guest for that. So stay tuned. Thanks, everyone. Yeah.